Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 62 of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Kevin, have you seen the new Dr. Pepper commercial, the trailer for it? For college football. No, I have not. Oh, it's fantastic. They have captured everything that could possibly be the, a storyline going into college football season. Conference realignment was captured perfectly. But the line of the day that forced my brother to send me this link so that I could watch it Um was there's a line in there that says every fan feels like they have to have a podcast for their school. That's us. That's we're us. That, guys. that is why we're here. Yes. The Dr. Pepper guys have nailed it. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we are living up to that. What are you doing with your microphone? You're killing me. Hey, man, I got to make sure that people can hear me. As much oh, as you dude, talk. They can they can hear you mess with your microphone. I'll tell you that. Well, as much as much as you talk, I gotta make sure I get in here somehow. That sounds better. That does sound better. It's it's silky. That's a silky sound. Um, real quick, this is uh, we're gonna put out two podcasts tonight, and so the, uh, this is the first one we're recording. So if I refer to it as the first one, that's why. But they're two separate podcasts. We're gonna do one focused. Uh, this episode focused solely on Oklahoma and their season preview. The next one we record will be the uh, Texas preview. We're going to release them at the same time. Before we get into that, though, it has to be talked about. Commissioner your marks remarks to the Texas Tech luncheon that he was at, where he calls out Texas and Oklahoma, says he's actively going to be rooting for uh, Texas Tech to beat Texas, and basically just sounding like the – the most, I don't know, jilted ex-girlfriend in the history of the world. I mean, what does this guy do? Is this guy for real? You know, it was strange to me. Now, I get the part of him taking a shot, right? Taking a shot at Texas, taking a shot at OU for leaving, right? We're glad we got rid of them, blah, blah, blah. But the part where he says to, you know, Joy McGuire, make sure you you take care of business. You know, that's, a, that's an open bias, and it's not cool. It's an open bias. It's not cool. You know, the, the Twitter backlash has kind of been what we're saying here. And then you're getting fans like, well, this is Oklahoma and Texas fault for secretly it being in secret negotiations. So, dude, this has been going on for three years. Like, stop. Exactly. Seriously, grow up, guys. Yeah, stop with the secret negotiations and all that. It wasn't too secret because it got announced well before anything was even voted on. So this whole thing. But it's just weird. And I, I got to tell you that – and this has been talked about, so we're not breaking any new ground here. However, it has to be said on this podcast, both for Oklahoma fans and Texas fans, after what we witnessed in officiating last year, to hear those statements from the commissioner of your league and couple that with the officiating statistics that existed last year, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is shocking, honestly. And the thing, man, going into this season, 
And we're going to get absolutely no love from the referees. We almost have to be perfect out there to win some of these close games that we'll both be in. Um, I, I guess I didn't realize that Oklahoma led the league last year in tackles for loss. Um, those were all on first and second down because on third down, that never occurred just for the record. Um, but at the same time, we led the league in ta- tackles for loss. It just further reinforces the fact that we got hosed by officials when we still only received one holding call against. Yeah. Texas at the nation in quarterback hurries last year. Yeah. It's, it's just and unbelievable. I think you guys had one, or was it no holding calls against you? One holding call, and I think you all had okay. one, correct? Yeah, the entire season. It's just – it doesn't make any sense. So, anyway, that had to be said because that guy's a – listen, he he took his shots at the Big 12 media day, and that was fine. We're getting a little too close to the season for this adult to act like this. Correct. And I get how you want to hype up the fan bases of the schools that are still in your league. But to say, you know, to basically say, we'll be cheering for you. I mean, what's he telling the refs, right? What are we supposed to think? I don't know. It's weak. I, the Big 12, listen, I can't be happier that we're going to the SEC. There's a right. reason we were going to the SEC. Now, hey, has this guy done a great job of, of, of resuscitating the Big 12 and keeping it relevant? No question. Yeah, I think, I think so, absolutely. But it's like, come on, man. You wouldn't even be in this position if we didn't leave, right? Right. If we didn't leave, they were content to let this be a 10-team league and it just – and it be a – it continue to be a second-rate conference, you know? And so the only reason they made this momentum and are now in a position to be – to continue to be a Power 5 or Power 4 conference or whatever it's going to eventually be called is because Oklahoma and Texas left. Exactly. You're welcome, Big 12. Yeah, the whole thing. It's – they're a joke. All right. Listen, we're jumping right into this. Um, this is the season preview. I'm going to start. I want to start kind of. Here's the hierarchy of how I want to like break this season preview down, Kevin, at least on the Oklahoma side. And then you'll feel free to do it when you do it on Texas. But I want to talk about the coaches. I'm going to start with the coaches. And then I'm going to talk position groups and then break it down finally into players that kind of I'm keeping an eye on. Does that make sense? So we're yeah, starting big picture, then we'll break it down into units, and then we'll take it in. Because that's kind of that's kind of how I see the need for this season to kind of progress is we, we got to have to have the whole pieces working together. Starting at the top is Brent Venables. The only thing we can say about Brent Venables at this point is six and seven. It was right. it was disappointing last year. Um and it's frustrating. And the excuses have been made in terms of number of players that were lost and all of these things. But I was very clear on this podcast all year last year, and I'm going to be equally as clear, if not more so this year. Those are excuses. We're the University of Oklahoma. We are playing in the Big 12, and we have zero reason to go 6-7. and We shouldn't have gone 6-7 and last year. I'm thinking specifically of a West Virginia game a Baylor game, a K-State game where we had them on third and 18. There were a number of games that should have never even made it into a, into a position that was being, uh, that it was even in question. So when I started to talk, I'm saying we have to improve from six and seven because we're the university of Oklahoma. And because of the last conversation we just had, we're going in the sec. 
If we exit the Big 12 with another crappy record like six and seven, we're setting ourselves up for abject failure in the SEC. Correct. Correct. You, you definitely want to go with positive momentum going into a new league. And the biggest concern about that, too, is if you have two losing seasons in a row or two seasons where you don't get close to your expectations, then the recruits are going to start looking around. You definitely Absolutely. don't want to go into the SEC with a, a poor recruiting class or even an average recruiting class. You need another top five, top ten class. No, the, the, to your point, the honeymoon is more, is going to wear off very quickly with recruits if it hasn't already. And so it's it's abs, it's vital. For, and we're going to talk about this with Texas here coming up. It's vital for both of these schools to perform very, 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 very well. You need to have the biggest tailwind you can get out of this season. Okay. Six and seven, Coach V, not acceptable. Okay. So we're going to talk about what he's put in place, the players and the moves he's made to escape from that doldrum and to enter into a place that we're more accustomed to at OU. To get there, he's got Ted Roof. When I think about the defense, Kevin, I think about the fourth quarter. We got out, outworked, outlasted in the fourth quarter. Whether it was conditioning or simply the number of um, players that we had that we could plug in at spots, that's where we lost our games by and large. We were in the lead at Kansas State. We were in the lead against West Virginia. We were in the lead against Baylor in the fourth quarter. Uh, and there's a couple of other games. The defense let us down in the fourth quarter, okay? So what Roofs had to do is via the transfer portal and via recruiting, he's had to build up what they're calling competitive depth. I think they've done it, but this is what we're gonna, this is what we have to see. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Listen, you had talent, right? It's not like you had a bunch of, you know, bad players out there, but the depth just wasn't there. And look, when you get into these games against Big 12 offenses, eventually you're going to wear out. If you got the same guy, if you got defensive linemen playing 80 snaps a game on defense, they're just not going to last the uh, the four four quarters. Um, the other coordinator, Jeff Levy. I think we need to see more consistency from the offense and, and more of the consistency uh, from games like the Kansas game, which was a very efficient offensive game, first quarter of Oklahoma State what we saw against Nebraska, I, that's the we need consistency at that level, right? Because there were plenty of games where we would go two or three quarters. I'm thinking about Oklahoma State in particular. We have an amazing first quarter, and we did nothing the rest of the game. You know, that We've was so be, interesting. That yeah, first quarter script that he, you know, that he designed was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was some of the best play calling I saw all season in college football. It was, it was incredible. Uh, people were running wide open. Uh, plays were being made. The energy level was high. The pace was high. You know, we heard so much about Jeff Levy and the pace and how we're going to move, 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 move. You know, now, did we have to slow it down? You know, that kind of that chicken egg type situation. Did we have to slow it down because we didn't have the competitive depth on the defensive side of the ball? You know, maybe, I guess. But against Oklahoma State, man, it was like pace, pace, pace. We just caught him in blitzed them and just kept going and kept going. And then we went dead, like just brain dead, Pretty terrible. Bizarre. Yeah, it was very odd. So we know it's there, right? We've seen evidence. It's almost 
I'll use I'll use it. It's almost like the, the, the Quinn Ewers analogy that I keep coming back to with you and I kind of give you our time. We saw what the first quarter against Bama looks like. Like we know what can be what it can be. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to see that from Levy and we have to see it from the offensive group. Um, specific coaches I'm going to call out just on the offensive side mostly is DeMarco Murray. It, I think he takes a leap this year. I think we see him put himself in a position of being maybe one of the best position coaches in the country. Okay. Okay. If, if Sawchuck and Barnes can deliver the way I think they're going to deliver and he can get, um, Oh, I had the guy's name, but I didn't write down. If you get Marcus major and the other running back, the other freshman, you might know him. Uh, Hicks. Yes. Caleb Hicks. If he can get some surprise uh, contribution out of those guys, Plus, what we're expecting to get out of those guys, the, the big guys, um, Sawchuck and Barnes. I am excited to see this uh, this running back room. I'm so excited. I have busted out the, my game day hat just for this podcast, just to emphasize how important I think the running game is going to be. Um, yeah, and I imagine that Brent Venables has sat down with Levy and said, "Hey, listen, man, we gotta we gotta run it, and we gotta run it, and we gotta run it." And then, you know, you start lulling in the safeties. Start bringing them closer to the box. Then you you take the play action and hit the deep shot. That's what the offense is. Well, that and there's nothing to say, nothing that says you can't keep the pace while running the ball. Correct. Correct. Running I the mean, ball. Yeah, run it. Texas ran that offense in 2016 with Sterling Gilbert as their offensive coordinator, Charlie Strong's last year. Nobody remembers because Texas was so bad, but a two thousand yard rusher with Deontay Foreman, yeah, running that exact same offense. So on a bad you know team, can be done on a bad a team, really bad team, horrible team, six and seventeen. So yeah, I mean, stick with the run, good things will happen. Um, also, Emmett Jones, real quick, the wide receiver coach, he's done an awesome job recruiting. A lot of energy around Emmett Jones. Let's see if the development's there. All right. We know that's an area. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this offseason. That's an area of weakness for Oklahoma. We're, we think Farouk is the number one. We're not 100% sure. We think Drake Stoops is going to play in the slot. We think Freeman's going to see some minutes. Who's going to emerge on the other side of him with Andrell Anthony, Brennan Thompson, uh, Jaden Gibson, uh, Nick Anderson? I mean, the list goes on and on. Is Emmett Jones going to deliver the development? That's that's the key to me. Are we seeing those guys get better every week? Because I didn't see development last year. I did not see development last year with Marvin Mims. Yeah, he was just the same guy that he was the year before, right? He, you know, he never seemed maybe happy with the news. I don't think he. And again, I've never, I haven't talked to the kid or heard anything, but it just seemed by his body language, right, that he didn't love the offense that that you guys had last year. I don't think he liked dropping the ball. I'm sure he didn't. I'm I mean, sure. I just wonder, you know, think about this, you know, from a human standpoint, right? I mean, you know, we all have these are these aren't humans. Guys. These aren't humans, Kevin. These are robots. These are <laughs> these are robots we cheer for. They <laughs> don't have personal lives. They don't have moms or dads or girlfriends or brothers or sisters. They don't feel any emotions at all. These are people that we just use for our own personal pleasures Look, of watching beauty. football. That is true to a point, right? But think about it. No, you're right. We have a job, right? 100%. 
all of a sudden the entire staff management staff changes, right? You might be like, why well, you know, I kind of like the other manager better than this one. This is, is what it is, right? Yeah. I think that's what happened with him. Now he's still balled out, right? He was still far and away your best receiver, but you know, if the other staff, if he was playing in the same system he was before, he probably would have had a better season than he did last year. As good as he was. Right. Um, and keep in mind, at the beginning of the year, I mean, in August, this time last year, we had just lost Kel Gundy. And they had to replace him with a um, with a, a, his first ever Division One coaching job. I even forget who they replaced him with. Yeah. So Emmett Jones is now in there. He's a legitimate wide receiver coach, been in the room, been working with these guys since the spring. Let's see it. Uh, last thing on the coaches. Oklahoma knows how important this coach is. This is the season it's supposed to pay dividends, and it's Jerry Schmidt, strength and conditioning coach. Okay. Everything we talked about, fourth quarter, consistency, running the ball, all of that, it's going to come down to did we get bigger, faster, and stronger? Right. And the, the thought is that we will under Jerry Schmidt. The reality is, is last year we did not. Now, did he have enough time with them? I don't know. He had, he started in January, so he had a whole year with them. Um, but this is the second year in Jerry Schmidt's program. We know what he's been able to do in the past with Oklahoma. We saw what he did with some of AM's, um, you know, some of their better teams um, and some of their better players. They always looked like just studs. Let's see what we get out of our guys in terms of a physicality and can Oklahoma re- can Oklahoma capitalize on being the first or second most talented team in the league? Yeah. You know, I think when you get a new staff in and it starts with the strength coach, right? It just takes a while to understand what this person wants, the whole flow of everything, right? It just doesn't happen overnight. Use Texas as an example, right? I mean, it just didn't look right the first year. It got better the second year. You can just see the improvements. Guys just weren't thinking about what to do as much. Now they're just reacting. So the, the, the opportunity is there for OU from a conditioning standpoint. Just make sure that you can finish these games and close these games out. Um. All right. Switching to kind of moving down the position group, starting on the offensive side of the ball. I think Gabriel – I mean, I think – I don't think he has to just – have a Caleb Williams 2022 season in order for OU to make it to the big 12 championship game. I think he needs to be as good as he was and just a little better. Okay. No, just a little better. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting with him, right? Because I thought he had a good season. The problem for him is the expectation that is there because of the last, the run of quarterbacks that you guys have had since Baker Mayfield got there. We just haven't seen anything like this really in the history of college football, right? Nobody's ever had a number one pick followed by a number one pick followed by a second round pick with back-to-back-to-back quarterbacks. Um, Three Heisman Trophy winners have started for Oklahoma in the last six years. Yeah, I mean... And and Jalen Hurts finished second. Exactly. That doesn't make any sense I mean, Caleb Williams won the Heisman, right? I mean, this yes. is what we're comparing people to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just – here's my notes. Right? I'm just going to read what I have, and you tell me if I'm off base. He just – and some of this stuff can't be measured, right? But he just needs to be that guy. 
He needs to make the plays on third down and in the fourth quarter that allow us to put games away. His skill level is sufficient. He's demonstrated that. But for OU, to to succeed at OU, we need him to have that indefinable quality that converts good to great. I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know what makes a quarterback make that leap. Now, he this the only problem with Dylan Gabriel is he is what he is in some in, in most cases. I mean, this kid, this is his fifth year, right, playing college football. Correct. I think he's incredibly solid. I like that he's our quarterback. I, he's not going to make any big mistakes. But in order for us to just really succeed, he just has to play a little better. A little yeah. better. Yeah, I don't think – look, I think he's a great quarterback, right? I just don't know if he's that dude that you're used to, Baker Mayfield, that can say, get on my back, guys. I will take us to where we need to be. Or Kyler Murray, you know, who okay. who's – Oh, I agree. Or even Jalen Hurts, for that matter. Like what, Yeah, what Jalen yeah exactly. Against, so uh, What but, Jalen Hurts know, did against Baylor. You put yeah. a good team around him, everybody else has to be better. Okay. Because if so, you look at he is, his, his numbers are so consistent. For every year that he's been a starter, all, always around a, between 3,000 and 3,600 passing yards, between 25 and 32 touchdowns, and between, you know, seven or so interceptions. Right. It's incredibly it's, consistent. It's, in, it's, it's consistent, consistently good. Like, very, maybe even very good. Like, consistently yeah. very good. He's like Kirk Cousins, to use an NFL uh you know, our Derek Carr, like good. He's going to always be a starter, right? He's always going to be a starter in the league, but is that going to be enough? Okay. So on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know that I, a lot of me thinks that DG is what, who DG is, and that's probably going to be okay. He needs to make a couple more plays for me. See the hat for me. It's going to start and end in the running back room. Okay. My prediction is that, Sawchuck and Javante Bards each have plus 900 yards rushing. Okay. All right. They so each two, have almost two, almost two 1,000 yard rushers. I, I think I that might so. be a, I think that might be a bit much in terms of prediction. So I don't want to, I mean, I'm probably crazy with two 900 yard rushers, but I think if we can get that sort of production from those two guys, then Gabriel just has to be, it gives him the opportunity to just be a little better, just a little better. I and I think we can get it out. I think we can get it out of those guys. Um, and I'm excited to see. I think that talent is a- abundant at the running back position. Yeah, you got a really good room there. And, you know, I like Sawchuck. I think he's explosive. He's someone who can, you know, break a tackle, make a guy miss, and take it to the house. And then Barnes is a bowling ball type. You know, he just – he showed in that ball game. What do you have? Look, his average wasn't great, right? But didn't he have close to 30 carries in that game? He did. Yep, he did, and and they were bruising, punishing carries against a very big, talented defense. Yeah, eventually, especially against a lot of the the teams in the Big Twelve, you'll wear you'll wear them down. Most teams don't have the depth to take that for an entire four quarters. Well, so the uh, uh the other guy I was thinking of, by the way, was Towie uh, Towie Walker. That was the okay. other guy out of North Las Vegas. So you, we might see some out of Towie Walker. Uh, we might see some out of. Um, Oh gosh, you you just said his name and now Hicks, Caleb Hicks. Caleb Hicks again, but there's still there's still discussion like maybe Marcus Major is going to give it to us. I am going to hold off on any Marcus Major hype, but I will say if he's able to contribute 
like in the fourth quarter, if we can, you know, the thing was he was never able to do any of that in the fourth. We never had the lead in the fourth quarter, right? We never had that. We never had that fourth quarterback that brought a game home because we were never in a position to do that. Right. So if we can see the lead in a couple of these games, I think Marcus major could contribute that. I'm not counting on it. I'm not writing it in. My money is on Sawchuck and Barnes, and I'm very, very excited about him. Lastly, on offense, wide receiver, you've been asking me this all year. Who emerges as number one? I think it'll be Farouk. I think Farouk will be our clear number one. I don't think that's making any large leaps or anything. Um, the question, I think, though, is who breaks out to provide um, unexpected production? And I think it's going to be, from everything I'm hearing, I'm landing on um, – Nick Anderson. I think it's Nick, Nick Anderson. Anderson. Okay. He's that, you know, we talked about it last episode. He's the size that we're looking for. He's got the big body, physical body, 6'4. Um, I think he's our guy. And then you've got Stoops and um, you've got Stoops and Gavin and, Freeman. And Andrew Anthony. Okay. Andrew, yeah. And then you've got Andrew Anthony and Brendan Thompson who can just flat out burn. So we'll see how they go. But as far as who's that other big receiver, uh, I, I think it's going to be Nick Anderson, but we will have to wait and see because I think that there's, I don't know that he's, he's nailed it yet. Um, now real quick, what do you think yeah. about the offensive line? I don't know enough. Of, I, I don't even want to pretend to know enough about it to, to break it all down. I am going to go with the fact that I've seen Bill Biedenboe do this year after year. Yeah. And we always have a good offensive line. Yeah. I so, think your offensive line would be good this year. I actually think it, my, you lose two really good players, right, at tackle. Yeah. Wanya Morris is a good player, got yeah. drafted, and obviously Anton Harrison was a first-round pick. Right. So you lose a great tackle. But I feel like, you know, Guyton, is he ready to step up? You know, I'm curious to see what happens there. You got yeah. the transfer of Walter Rouse from Stanford. He's a huge, He's a talented dude. guy. And Correct. Huge. Huge. So if you can get good play out of the offensive line, it's more consistent play. I know you guys like the um, Jacob Sexton kid a lot. I know he's coming off the injury, though, uh, in, in the bowl game, right? He got injured in the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if he'll be back or when he'll be back, but he's someone you definitely need for depth because he's a talented player. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but with Bill Beanbow as the coach, they just rarely, rarely is the offensive line our issue. It was you know? massive for Venables to keep him. Because I know how much Lincoln wanted him at USC. It seemed like for a second there that he had accepted the job out there, right? There was – I think there was some back and forth for sure, but I, I'm i glad he stayed, man. He's a yeah, stud. Yeah, huge win. Huge win for OU and, and for Venables to keep him. And I, I think that this – I have to think this offense fits his eye better than what Lincoln runs. I mean, obviously Lincoln puts up a lot of points, but just in terms of a physical offense. Um, I don't know. I mean, he had some great offensive lines with Lincoln Riley's offense. I mean – Two-time Joe Moore award winner, offensive line. I mean, guys who are still in the NFL today. I really get yeah. lines, man. No, listen, dude. He that's and that's what I mean. That's what I'm not worried about. The last thing is tight end. Uh, I don't want to beat this one up. It's depth. Stogner, I think, is going to be a stud in terms of receiving. I just we don't have that Braden Willis guy. We don't have that 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 um. Oh, what's the the fullback? The H-back type. The H-back type position. So that's going to yeah. be – but in, now, but correct me if I'm wrong. In a Levy slash Bryles offense, 
that H back wasn't necessarily a really prominent figure. No, right? no, you just need a tight end. But I want to see because Stockner, we we know what he's capable of. I remember him having that big touchdown in one of the overtimes against Texas in the Red River Shootout in 2020. Right, yeah. and it was one. Rather put it up high for him, and he went up and got it. He used that big six six frame of his, and we know he's going to be good at that. I'm just curious how consistent he can be as a receiver if he's going to be a main target. We haven't seen that out of him yet so far when he was at OU and then the one year he was at South Carolina last year. I got to tell you, I, you talk about, uh, you talked about with Marvin Mims, you know, is he, is he a hundred percent bought in with where he's at? I think in the case of Austin Stoddard, you don't come back to Oklahoma if you're not bought in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, he so could have somewhere I think, else just stay in South Carolina. Yeah. I think this kid is bought in and I think he's, I think he's going to have a good year. You have Caden Helms and McIntyre are behind him. We've got to, they're just unknowns. We don't know where they're at or what their performance level is going to be. One of those guys will probably end up being pretty good. The other one, maybe not so much. Um, Switching over to the defense. um, The one I've obviously been the most excited about is our our DBs. We talked about that extensively, so I don't want to beat that up for anybody that listened last week. But Bowman, Bowman's your guaranteed day one starter. The question is, who starts with him at safety? I think it's Bowen and uh, Pearson. Reggie Pearson, the Texas Tech transfer, right? But then when do you get? But when do you put McCullough on the field, right? So does McCullough move into a linebacker spot? So I don't know. I want to see McCullough on the field, and I want to see Pearson on the field at the same time. So I'm not quite sure how that works. And I also want Bowen on the field. So I don't know what kind of chess they're going to play. I, I think it's just really exciting. They have options on the corners. We know it's Woody Washington. From what I've heard, it's Gentry Williams on the other side. Okay. Have you, have you heard anything different? I have not. I have that's, not. That's you what know, I heard. I actually, I actually want to talk about Billy Bowman. I, I think he's great. You know, former Texas commit. Would have loved to see him in burn orange, man. I mean, he is a dynamic athlete back there. And I think he's great in coverage. Um, that play he made against Oklahoma State in the end zone, picking off Spencer Sanders, that was a that was a big time play. I mean, yeah. he's on the pretty much on the opposite hash when the ball is thrown, and he got there and made that play. It wasn't a great throw, but still, I mean, that is an incredible play. So you you got him and Peyton Bowen. I mean, five star safety, one of not the best safety recruit in the country last year. He's shown it already. I've seen clips of him in practice and then in your spring game making that play, tracking the ball down like a an elite wide receiver would. Yeah. So that's a huge pickup, man. And even if he doesn't start, you can't keep that kind of talent off the field. So, yeah, I mean, I think the OU secondary is looking for a, a big improvement just with the talent alone. Dude, the people that we're leaving off, Harrington, people love Harrington right now, especially in the cheetah role. Like they're all over him. Uh, T. Lawrence is the last year's starter, and I don't I don't think he starts. Now, I could be wrong. He could end up starting for Bowen because Bowen's a true freshman, so we'll see. It's a matter but of time, though, man. I think it's a matter of time. I think that you, I think Bowen is going gonna, is gonna to take that position from him um, eventually. Linebackers, it's the same kind of story. You got Stutzman in the middle, um, and it's who, stu- who sets b- beside him. Canick. Probably Kobe McKenzie or does they saw McCullough come in down in there. So I, it's going to be interesting to see, but Stutzman's the one we can count on. 
This is his third year, second year in the system. He's only gotten better, right? He's It's kind of like what you talked about with Texas is just overall before they get better every year. He's gotten better the last two years. If he can get even better, we're going to be just fine at linebacker. Just fine. Yeah, I thought he was really good last year, right? I know OU fans are really frustrated with the defense, and rightfully so, but I thought he was good. I thought he was pretty consistent. I think the issue for Venables with his linebackers is, you know, he requires strict discipline at that position. He is concerned about these fast guys overrunning plays, leaving huge gaps, not filling the run properly. That's where a lot of those big plays came in. Trust me, I saw it with Texas, especially in Sark's first year. New defense, guys are just running. They're just out of position and just leaves huge space for running backs and then same thing in coverage. I think that may have been the issue. That's probably why we didn't see much of Jared kind of after the Nebraska game. I think even though he showed he can make some plays, I think he might have just not known where he's supposed to be all the time. And I think it, the thought of that just drives Venables insane. You know, th- yes, you're, you're right. And the one thing you keep hearing is that it's a difficult defense to pick up. It's a difficult defense to pick up. We've got to be past that now, though, right? I mean, we're two years in. You'd hope, you would hope so, man. That, that's, the, it, that's the question, right? If at this point, and I said this a little last year too, but if at this point it's still, in quotation marks, a difficult defense, maybe we need to dumb it down. Might have to say these things. And let these boys go play some football. Because Stefan is a, he's a stud. He, he's really, really good. And I'm really excited to watch him play. D-line. Dude. There are a lot of names here that I think are going to be really impactful on the defensive line. The biggest one for me is Rondell Bothroyd, the transfer out of Wake Forest. I think he is – I think he's the game changer on this defensive line in terms of bringing a physicality and and changing the the dynamics along the line. So I'm looking for big things from Bothroyd. And then R. Mason Thomas – is a fan favorite. He's highly talked about. That's supposed to that dude's supposed to be there for us. And then you can't overlook Adabari. I mean, Adabari, I think he's like Bowen in the sense that he might not start game one, but I have a sense that by the by conference play, he's if he's not starting, he's getting the bulk of snaps. That's just my guess. He doesn't he doesn't have to start a game to make an impact, right? We talked about the defense being a little complicated. Listen, if it's third and long, put that kid on the field and say, hey, go get the quarterback. Go yeah. run around the tackle and get the quarterback. Chase the quarterback. Don't need to complicate things when you have an athlete like that playing on the edge, right? He's a five-star for a reason. Put him out there. Let him chase the quarterback. They don't have to start. All right. So that's my breakdown positionally. Um, Real quick. So I've got, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I do want to see how the defense, the interior defensive line shapes up for OU this year. I thought okay. that was probably your biggest issue last year is being uh, able to, to stop the run on the interior I, of that defense. I like Isaiah Coe. I liked him last year. I like Jordan Kelly last year. Those are your two main guys. Um, plus you got Gilliam uh, Jr. and Grayson Halton. Right. So those are your four core dudes right now in the interior of the line. 
you brought um, in a lot of guys, a lot of guys from JUCO and, and transfer guys, right? So right. you brought in bodies. We just got to see who can really play at this level. I'm not talking about the kid from Wake Forest at all, right? That dude can, I think that dude can play at this level. Correct, yeah. right? We've seen that playing in the ACC. The Big 12 is not going to be too much difference. But some of the other guys who came from smaller schools, that's, that's, those are the question marks that I think you guys are going to have inside. But the thing is, to where I think our coaches are correct is there's way more depth than there was last year. Absolutely. When I was when I, when I was writing down defensive linemen for you to quiz me on, I just could keep writing names: Grimes, Mason Thomas, Stripling, Atabari, Ethan Downs, Gilliam Jr., Halton, Bothroyd, Kelly, Co. Like I just kept writing names down. Last year we were I had like three, you know, and it's like it's these three dudes, and that's what we're running with, you know what I mean? So. Um, it's, I think it's a positive thing. Um, preseason awards or who I think is going to be the preseason winners, the offensive MVP, I think is going to be Gavin Sawchuk. I, I hate to put that much pressure on a, on a redshirt freshman running back, like, you know, the whole weight of the, but it, it's not all on him. But I think if he has the kind of year I think he can have, it means the offense had a very good year. You know, no, if he can, yeah. if he can rush for a thousand plus yards, I think it means the rest of the offense did a really good job as well. So right. I've got him as offensive MVP. Def- defensive MVP is my boy Billy Bowman. Like the guy's just too, the guy's too talented. Uh, you could you could make an argument for Stutzman in this position. I'd be just fine with that. But I think it's Billy Bowman. You could probably also make an argument for Woody Washington. I we haven't talked enough about him, but I, I just think it's Billy Bowman. I just like what he brings to the table. I like his competitiveness. I like the plays he makes on the ball. I like the toughness with he tackles with. I, I just think he's a fantastic player. And he's now three years into the into uh playing college ball, two years in the system, seems to be healthy. Uh, Jada Coleman's coming off a fantastic softball season. So he has everything in the world going for him to have just a dynamic year at safety. Yeah, I mean, you you heard what I had to say about him just a few minutes ago. I don't think I need to say anything else. Uh, and then the last one we talked about uh, kind of coming up with like a darker horse player that's off the radar that might have an impact. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, this is a shout-out for one of the soccer dads who is good friends with this guy. Um, Jacoby Johnson. He's out of Mustang. He was not there for spring ball because he played basketball in high school. Um, he was a stud at he was a stud at Mustang. He's a big physical kid. He could play both sides of the ball. It looks like they've got him on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know that that's a for sure thing from everything I've heard about him. He could play either side. Um, I think. If, if there's some injuries early, you might get a chance to look at Jacoby Johnson, and I feel like he could probably step in corner, safety, wherever, and make an impact. I think he's that kind of player. That's my dark horse, off-the-radar player. He's a dynamic athlete, right? And he could have gone to a lot of schools around the country. So it's good that you kept him home. Well, I always say this about talented freshmen, right? Look for them on special teams. Right, look at them on pump block, chasing down kickoffs. If they come in and they can make an impact on that, you know that's a guy who's going to be a future player. 
Absolutely. All right, dude. Are we ready to pick? Are we ready to make our season picks for Oklahoma? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, the first three games are not – I don't even want to, like, break them down. We're going to break down our – Let's, let's talk about them quickly, you know. All right. I know. I just – I just – I'm so jealous of your non-conference schedule that when I look at ours, I'm just all butthurt. But anyway, uh, well, Arkansas. Listen, I, I'm not trying to defend y'all, right? I'm not one to defend the Sooners. You did have Georgia scheduled and had to cancel because of the new conference. So it's not like you just went out and said, hey, we're just going to schedule the weakest non-conference schedule in, in the conference, you know, for a good school. You had Georgia. You had to cancel yep. it. But it sure so feels that way, dude. It just, it just feels icky. It feels icky it, not yeah, having no, a, I get it, man. I get not it. having another Power 5 game, especially with a Big 12 conference. I don't know. It just feels weird. Um, Arkansas State, we'll preview them next week. Uh, win. Absolutely. Win for Oklahoma. Win. Yeah, win. Win. SMU. Yeah. SMU, we'll see Chandler Morris. I, listen, this is going to be – SMU and Tulsa are going to be better tests, especially for the defense. We talked about them both having offensive coaches. Um, remind me of the SMU coach. I'm drawing a blank. Is it um, what's his name? The Lashley. Yeah, Rhett Lashley is the head coach. He was their offensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah, before. he's pretty. He's going to be pretty good. Uh, Chandler Morris is a is a fun. Well, it's not Chandler Morris. Who's their quarterback now? Um, Chandler Morris is actually at TCU. Oh, what? Okay, who's at SMU? Okay, they've got a kid. I believe their quarterback is going to be. Um, God, what's his name? He was a highly recruited kid, probably one of the highest recruited quarterbacks that they've had. Let me pull up their roster real quick. I just can't think of his name. The kid from the Dallas area, Preston Stone. Didn't SMU, didn't SMU have a former Oklahoma quarterback there? Yeah, I think you had um, what's the kid? Um, is it not not more? Yeah, Mordecai, right? Tanner Mordecai. Oh, I get. But now he's is Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin now? He's yeah, he's yeah, he's going to be Wisconsin starting quarterback this year. Oh, I hate. See, yeah. here's the problem. Here's the here, okay, pre, Go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead first. Preston Stone was a big-time recruit, right? It was very interesting with his recruitment because he was one of the top five quarterbacks in the state of Texas coming out of high school. But it was weird because all the big schools started getting commits quickly before he could commit. So he ends up at SMU. So he's a really talented player. They'll be explosive offensively. They also got some big transfers in. Um, They got Kamar Wheaton. Do you remember Kamar Wheaton? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Running back looked like he was going to go to OU and then ended up going to Alabama. Yep. Well, he transferred. He's at SMU now. I don't know if the kid's any good, honestly. Right? He's a five-star running back. So, yeah, he's got some talent. But he's there. They might score some points. The issue with them is I don't see them being able to slow down your offense at least over four quarters. So, I still have that as a win for you. Win. Uh, the problem is for – um, podcasters is the transfer portal makes it almost impossible to remember who was there from year to year to year. I never would have guessed Tanner Mordecai was at Wisconsin. Yeah. In Not in a hundred million years. 
I, yeah. I, it, it's just he's gonna start. I think he's in line to start. Yeah. The rumor always was it was that he was that he had beat Jalen Hurts out, but he got hurt. That is so interesting, man. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that one. Uh, Tulsa, uh, Kevin Wilson, former offensive coordinator at OU, former head coach of Indiana and offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, it'll be at Tulsa, a road test. Not really. It's in the state of Oklahoma, so it'll still largely be an Oklahoma crowd. I've got us with a win. Same, man. Same. Opening up Big 12 play at Cincinnati. Cincinnati will be fired up. They're hosting Oklahoma in a conference game, their first conference game of the year. I This is not Luke Fickle's Cincinnati. I'm saying win for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it'll be a slight test because of the environment. It'll be their first Big 12 game ever, right? Soon as they're coming in. Kind of reminds me of something. Texas, when they – played at Central Florida back in 2007. It was their first game in a new stadium. They, they opened a brand-new stadium in Texas. It was the first opponent there. And Texas, it was, the game was a lot closer than it needed to be because the crowd and stuff was so well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the score is going to be. I just think it's going to be a win. But, yes, it could it, – at at, once we start league play, I mean, we saw this last year, I'm happy we're getting out of it with a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not. I have I, it as a win for y'all. Too. Okay, as a, Iowa State. Um, whatever's happening with them at quarterback has changed the dynamic of that team. Uh, who knows what's going on there? You know, this could be a situation where the, the kid that comes in behind him uh, is going to be fantastic, right? So who, who the heck knows? I don't know. But at this point, this is a home opener in Big Twelve play. I've got us beating Iowa State. Yeah, and if this game was in Ames, I might feel a little bit different about it. But with it being in Norman, and again, yeah. Hunter Deckers and who knows who else on the team, are they going to play or are they not? This seems like it could be a huge distraction for Iowa State. The game's in Norman. I've got OU winning that. Okay, that gets us to 5-0 and o going into Dallas, Texas to face the Texas Longhorns. Um, we're, we haven't picked Texas's record yet. My guess is we, we might both have Texas at four and one. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe you pick, you pick Alabama to win either way. This could be a very big matchup of a game. Um, here's the problem, Kevin. I can't unsee what I saw last year. I need a new image put in my brain before I can expect Oklahoma to go down and beat Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Okay. Understandable. I I just can't I can't unsee what I saw. It was the most revolting, disgusting, uh just horrible feeling and experience of my life and I hated every second of it and I can't unsee it. And it pains me to think that I am going to pick us losing to Texas, but I can't pick a win after that. I hope I'm wrong. And for the record, this might change. Before the OU Texas preview, I might pick a different game to win. This is a preseason preview pick. We don't have to yeah, stick this is, with this. This is all based on but what we know at this moment. I'm taking Texas for the win, OU for the loss. 
Okay, I agree with that. Um, it doesn't have a ton to do with last year, though. I mean, a little bit for me. For me, it's it just the the questions that. And again, we, we all have questions, right? We all have questions, but at key positions, I feel better about Texas than I do about OU right now at this point. So yeah. I have Texas winning that one too. Uh, UCF comes to Norman, faces Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel faces his old team. Um, Gus Malzahn's the coach, UCF. So Gus you know you can coach him up. Coach. Correct. Oklahoma beats UCF. Win. You know, I think this is going to be a really good football game, right? Coming off the Texas game, UCF is going to come to Norman. I don't think they're going to be afraid or intimidated by playing in Norman. I just don't know. And I like their quarterback, John Beast Plumley. I like Malzahn. I mean, I think I would imagine he's beaten Saban more than anybody else has. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. He got him at least two or three times while he was the coach at Auburn. I just don't see them having enough depth to um, to hang with you guys for four quarters. I think it's a good game, though, but I think OU wins. At Kansas, Jaden Daniels getting a lot of preseason love quarterback at uh, Kansas. We did not have to face him last year. We had a very good game last year against Kansas, but it wasn't error-free. This game is in Lawrence. Oklahoma loses on the road to Kansas. I can't believe I just said that. You know what? I can't believe I just said that, Kevin. I think believe- I no, – no, I can't. No, I can't. The crazy thing is, right, Texas lost to Kansas a couple years ago. In that same season, they were one Caleb Williams push or, you know, a strip yes. from his own teammate on fourth down away from potentially losing to Kansas. We both could have lost to Kansas in the same season. Can you imagine that? Uh, uh, here's the deal. I think – okay, look. I think I think my win total for Oklahoma is accurate, okay, when we're done. I think my win total is accurate, but I needed to find a loss to match my win total, if that makes sense. So I kind of backed into a loss. And when I look at those last five games, this was that loss. Like, it's on the road. It's um, kind of a trap game before Bedlam. You know, the last Bedlam, whatever the case may be. It's it's so easy to overlook Kansas because they're Kansas. I just I don't like where this is at in the schedule. I don't like the returning quarterback. I don't like that it's on the road. And I just don't think we're good enough to avoid a stupid loss. May, and maybe this will be a stupid loss or maybe it'll prove to be a pretty good loss. Who knows? I don't know. But I've got Kansas beating Oklahoma. What do you have? No, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. I think it's going to be a shootout. I actually think you win this one, though. I've got you guys winning at Kansas. Okay. Um, at Oklahoma State, final Bedlam game uh, for the foreseeable future. Mike Gundy thinks it's all Oklahoma's fault. Oh, they're horrible. Oh, the horror. Oh, my gosh. Gundy, stop. Just stop. Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State for the simple reason that Oklahoma always beats Oklahoma State. Okay. I actually have you guys losing this game. 
Here's not why happen. that game is not, that will not. We will not so? lose that game. It, we okay. will not lose that game. We might lose every other game on the schedule. We ain't losing that game. <laughs> the reason why I think this might be the one where the refs come in to play. Well, they came into play a couple of years. They came into play a couple of years ago with with Caleb when Caleb Williams was at it, and they didn't call a pass interference in the end zone. Yeah, that was just a really an insane ending. But I just think Gundy is just going to pull out every stop. Now I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Dude, right? listen. That look, 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 look. You're saying things that make sense, okay? Gundy's going to pull out all the stops. Gundy's going to have a game plan. Gundy's going to be ready to go. Gundy's going to have. He's going to not leave anything in the tank. Gundy has had the opportunity to beat Oklahoma so many times, Kevin. Yeah. So many times. I just wonder. This is the one time he comes out of that weird shell. He no, seems to come into absolutely not. Oklahoma. Absolutely what not. His, what is his deal against OU he a lot puck, of times? He puckers. Why? It's, I have. He, dude, listen. Well, we're in his head. It, we there's just certain situations where you live rent free in somebody's head. We live rent free in Mike Gundy's head. He it makes him miserable. He knows he's had a good team in the past and lost. Has he got a couple wins against us? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah. This might but, be my Texas fan PTSD going against that guy. Well, yeah, it's like he, he doesn't. Does. But it's like he doesn't care about y'all. But man, he just all puckers up against Oklahoma. He looks like a weirdo. He even looks weird on the sidelines when you're when we're playing against him. Like he's like he's lost or doesn't want to get too excited or. I, I, I just don't get it. I do not get it. We're not losing that game, but I, you can write yourself down for a loss. That's yeah, I want to take that one as an L for you guys. West Virginia, if we lose West Virginia, well, I might quit the podcast. That's a win for Oklahoma. I agree. I, I got that as a win for you guys. At BYU, I can't wait for this. As of right now, um, I'm traveling for this game November 18th. November 18th. Saturday as, of, as of right now, Probably I plan Saturday on- night. Oh, God, I'd be so awesome. I'm planning on being there. I've been to a BYU game before. It's it's a it's a great stadium, great backdrop. BYU fan. I'm hoping BYU's done good to this point because um, I'd love for the, the stadium to be rocking for an Oklahoma. I, I, we, we need to have that, if nothing else, to get prepared for the SEC. I just don't think BYU has the horses to hang with OU this year. I'm taking Oklahoma. It's going to be a huge test, right? Like you said, the crowd's going to be insane. It's going to be at night. The weather's going to be horrible. You already know it's going to be windy. It's going to be cold at the very least. That being said, I don't think they have the depth. You guys have just uh, too much of a talent advantage. They don't have Taysom Hill out there to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank Thank God for all of us. Texas and PTSD, even though you guys beat BYU. um, Lastly, preseason number 17 TCU. I don't think they will be preseason number seven. I don't think they will be seven rake 17th by the time we play them in Norman. Um, I think they're going to suffer some losses. They're turning over like 40% of their roster. Uh, and, and the 40% that's leaving it is really, really, really good. Um, I just don't think this is going to be the same TCU team. I, I hope I'm right and not going to be proved wrong. Um, but I've got Oklahoma beating TCU at home in the season finale. I've got TCU winning this one. So you have us at nine and three. Nine and three. Okay. Now at 10 and two, I think we make the Big 12 title game. Okay. Okay. It's, that's tended to be an, uh, two losses 
has tended to get you in the play has tended to get you in the um I guess it might be a little different because everybody doesn't play everybody this year but I still think it's going to be hard for anybody to run the table in the conference um but at 9 and 3 and all three losses coming in conference you're saying Oklahoma does not make the Big 12 championship am I am I thinking that correctly I I think there's still a chance you get in I do even with three losses. I think it's going to be a lot of teams beating up on each other this year. Um, Dude, I can't wait. Dude, I'm so fired up for – I'm I'm fired up. Just going through the schedule, it, it just seems real. Um, finally getting to do this preview seems real. Uh, we're going to take a little break, go get some water, get a drink, clear our throats, and then we're going to start recording uh, Texas. Are you fired up for that? Man, let's do it. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Hey, uh, we'll talk to you in a second. Boomer. Welcome. Okay.